Hey guys. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, this is Kyle and uh, this is Shelby. Not really. <laughs> All right, you gotta give us a little bit of some room for some uh, some bloopers here. This is Kyle and Jesse, and we're doing the JK podcast again. We have our other uh, host, Nita, going to be signing on here. Let's see if I can get her added on. Nita, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? All right, cool. Yep, we got you all. All everybody's all right, cool. on. All right, go ahead and say hey, Kyle. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's good to be back for the uh, new year. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a. It's our, good to have Nita with us. Yes, Nita, awesome <laughs> from the original original podcast that we used to do back in the day. Um, the what was it called? The Electronic Ambush League, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So we got That's some right. exciting news, and of course we got Nita here. I know she's had a pretty trying day, and she's been a trooper with staying on with us. So we appreciate it very, very, very much. So Nita, thank you so much. Ah, um, uh, totally welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, of course, we've got some other exciting things going to be going on tonight as well. We got Star Wars Carrie Fisher, the topic of her death and how it's going to directly affect the series itself. Um, then we're going to go into a quick review of the Assassin's Creed movie. I know I saw it. Uh, Nita uh, saw what she could see before I guess she <laughs> passed out. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, we'll, have some, <laughs> we'll have some good uh, topics later on, too, like games, top 20, uh, 16 games by review of Game Informer. Uh, and then games coming out this year, if they do come out this year, you know, the infamous pushback button that everybody likes to push for these developers. So um, moving forward, we'll go ahead and hit it strong and long like a thong. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and hit it big time. So uh, let's see here. Star Wars, Carrie Fisher's death, the Ooh. direct effect on the series itself. What's your thoughts, Nita? Uh, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I, it, it's, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I don't know. Uh, I think, well, I, I hope, I mean, even though um, they did an amazing job for the split second of CGI um, of a young Carrie Fisher, um, I'm sorry, no spoilers there for people who haven't seen it yet, um, but it's <laughs> oh, out there anyway. <laughs> yeah, they know about it now. <laughs> right, right. I ruined it for everyone. Sorry, guys. Um but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 it'll, it'll be it'll be a reminder, I think, of how much you know all the fans of Star Wars. I think it's going to be. I don't know. It, it'll it'll mean more, I guess, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. These you know these these next uh, I don't know what two two movies three movies. I don't know how many more movies they're going to be doing. <laughs> It's Disney. <laughs> Who knows? It's Disney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to run it into the ground. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I, 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 it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, well, if you, if you had to think about there's... it, like, like with her, with her, you know, being passed away, and then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, these movies, because, you know, in the books, she was supposed to be in these final movies. And honestly, right. I think she was one of the very few that actually lived throughout the series. But, you know, with them not really having her film for Episode Nine, do you think that maybe Lucasfilm and Disney will have her killed off in the last movie like they did with Han Solo? I mean, is that a possibility or what do you think? 
It, I mean, it it could be a possibility, but I mean, from from what I've read, she already filmed her scenes for the next movie. Right. Yeah, so, I, I um, agree. So I mean, it it really, I mean, they've got an entire year or so, you know, to come up with with something. Um, but right. I, if if they are if they are going to take her out, I I hope they they do it with a fight. <laughs> Because Carrie yeah. Fisher is will not go down without a fight. I I'm not sure if you guys have seen it yet. Um, just a little side note, but uh, that documentary about her and and her mother Debbie Reynolds um, came out Bright Lights on um, right. on uh, HBO. Yeah. Um, have you have you guys seen it? I've I've seen portions. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it was yeah. very yeah, well done. Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, the the love you can just see the love they uh, that Carrie and, and Debbie had for each other, um, and how how quirky um, and how manic uh, you know Carrie was. Um, yeah. But I I love that woman. I I love her so much. And you oh, can yeah. see where they live and and everything, and and it, it you see a part of their private life, and you're just like, oh my god, this this. This family. woman, she just lived a life, you know, and yeah, and, yeah. and it's just it's just really sad. Like it's there's very few um, celebrity deaths that happen where I actually take a moment and you know shed a tear or whatever. I mean, we had a lot of deaths last last year. Yeah. Um, you know, like you know David Bowie, Prince. Um, you know, right. just just numerous George over a hundred and something. Yeah, George Michael. Um, but Carrie Fisher, that, that just, I mean, it, it made me sick. That took, it it that literally took made egg. me sick. That took the cake. That was sad. Yeah. That was very sad. I hated that. Yeah. And this too, Nita, yeah. um, you know, like you're saying it, you know, you had to take a minute because that's Carrie Fisher and a lot of ladies, not just guys, I know myself the same way is because she was such a role model. I mean, from, Right. The, the 70s, the 80s, that strong heroine role, even in Blues Brothers with John Belushi. Yeah. You know, right. he's like, I'm sorry, baby. And he's like, I'm going to still shoot you down. It, it's like a, you know, mix of, you know, raw badassness. You know, don't mess with me. Don't tread over me. But I still have Finise because she was right. a princess. Right. And, you know, something about that, too. Um you know, segue as far as what you said about heroin. Um, yeah. You know, I would like to get to know her on the side of when she was on the Blues Brothers set with Dan Aykroyd, you know what I mean? And I know that may sound a little too early, you know, because of the drugs no, and everything, no. but, um, you know, Carrie Fisher will be missed. One of the most iconic um, actresses of our generation, our parents' generation. And, uh, you know, yeah. and it's it, it's funny, but it's sad, and it's so great the way that her and her mother went out, you know, in the movies, Leia's mother died of a broken heart and Debbie Reynolds died of a broken heart as well. And, you know, a lot of people don't know Carrie Fisher's, um, you know, background and some of the things that she's gone through in life. And um, knowing that her stepmother, Elizabeth Taylor, huge actress. And I I believe that's probably what built her, you know, Carrie Fisher's relationship with her mother, Debbie Reynolds. So strong is the fact that she appreciated her more once her parents got divorced and she saw right. the relationship that her, you know Elizabeth Taylor had with her father so you know right. forever shall she live and in in Star Wars in, you know infinity 
uh, and of course, um, you know, as far as the movies coming out, uh, I know that they will be impacted greatly because Leia was always the glue that held, you know, yeah. Han and Luke, yeah, and and even R2 and, and the resistance. She was the rebellion, you know, yeah. even in the Rogue One movie, she, they asked, you, you know, you know, are you, do we trust her with your life and something like that or that nature? And, you know, she was the go-to, you know, she yeah. had the sole life being that they sacrificed their lives for and they gave it to Leia because she was the most trusted in the rebellion with those plans. So, right. and, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see what happens in, in eight and nine and how it'll definitely, definitely affect the budget and the outcome of the sales. But I know Disney, it sounds really bad, but I hate to say it like this, but they're corporate, you know, and Disney's probably rolling in it and thinking, man, this is not the exact time we would want her to pass away, but it kind of will help, you know, with our sales for the new movies coming out. Yeah, definitely for sure. I, I think, I don't know, but. All, all I say, all, all I have to say is that they better dedicate this next movie to her. If they don't, they if I watch the credits and they don't, oh, yeah. I swear to God, I'm yeah. writing a letter to Disney. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you on that one. I hear you on that. Well, I definitely think it'll. Well, what do you think? How do you guys? Uh, this just hit me right here uh, on an organic spark. Um, what do you think George Lucas feels about everything and how you know? You know, he would definitely want to write a letter a little bit more here's, if they didn't here's dedicate something. Here's back. how I think George Lucas. Um, feels the scene where Yoda is grabbing his chest when the Jedi are being wiped out by Order 66. Yeah. I would like uh-huh. to, in my nerd heart, believe that George Lucas is having the same <laughs> feeling when Leia passed away. Yeah, you know, I think that's the yeah, type, he, in my he, mind. He definitely, he definitely felt a disturbance in the forest when that happened. Very nice, yeah. very nice. Um, I, I, you know, the Star Wars movies are so epic in its sense and you know even in the 70s and 80s where you saw the three together you know mm-hmm. mark hamill carrie fisher and uh the other guy what's his name everybody Harrison knows Ford? yeah i know i know just joking but <laughs> Harrison Ford, of course, <laughs> the tallest of them all um you know those three were so iconic and throughout the last 30 40 years was able to turn a lifelong classic into a fan loved favorite for generations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing one of those iconic people leave something that is so beloved is huge. And I will say this too. I actually had a friend of mine, and I'll throw a shout out to Don Tavius Haran, a guy I work with, uh, you know, at my main job. Um, he went to Costa Rica and he went to one of the major malls down there. And when he did, they were having a uh, sympathy or sympathy and it was star Wars. And you think about nice. it, and it kind of puts perspective how big Star Wars is for people in the world. Yeah. To go to right. such a small, you know, little tiny country island, and they have, you know, they have Star Wars. Yeah. And they're playing the music that you hear back at home. Wow. You know, and it's right there in front of you, in your face. And, yeah. and I'm sure if I would have been there, it would have been an emotional event for me. This is just to kind of put it in perspective like that, because it's something that I love so much. Yeah, but to right. kind of go to another country—that's that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Surreal. That yeah. that is pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely nice. But uh, you know, long shall she ever live in lore, Carrie Fisher. We say that over and over and over again, but that's because you know she's one of the most loved characters in Star Wars history, if not the top three. Of course, we know who the other two are. Um, so going into. Star Wars, uh, and it's funny that Nina mentioned it, you know, they were th- speaking to Disney, 
in Lucasfilm, the movie's coming out and their plans. And pretty much every year will be a Star Wars movie. Um, you know, they're, they're having their Han Solo series that they want to do. Now, we don't know if they're going to do multiple. Uh, I would like to think that they possibly would. It mm-hmm. seems like something that would be credible enough. Uh, if it's as great as Rogue One, I'd be definitely interested in it. Uh, you know, Gareth Edwards did an awesome job producing and directing the Rogue One movie. I would love to see him do another Star Wars movie. Hats off to that man. Probably one of the most uh, organic and gut-checking directors of our generation to come out. Yeah. You know, and him even using the CGI, uh, you know, through Adobe, that made it just completely an all moment several times throughout the movie of Rogue One. You know, he he did such a good job. I think he's credited himself to be a future director that we all would be looking forward to. I I actually would prefer him to do the Star Wars movie over J.J. Abrams, to be honest with you. Right. Just based on how well he did in Rogue One. Even the iconic Vader scene at you know the end of the of the movie oh the last gosh, five yeah. minutes that just takes your breath away I don't you know Kyle and I needed in the last couple episodes pretty much had a um orgasmic <laughs> feel to <laughs> you know the Vader scene it yeah. was just you know how did you feel when you saw that did you did you pee your pants I well no, I mean, I didn't pee my pants, but it was definitely one of those moments where you're just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you like know, the- I mean, you're just rooting. I mean, you're just, you, it was just, it, it all came together nicely, you know. I mean, it, it just, it, it filled in a lot of holes of, <laughs> filled a lot of holes. It filled <laughs> in, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it filled in a lot of questions, you know, people who haven't, you know, read the books or, you know, followed you know, the Star Wars galaxy, uh, you know, um, I mean, it, 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 it gave answers, you know, on how she got the plans and everything like that. So, um, but what, I mean, honestly, what blew me away, I've I've seen some really, really bad CGI, really bad CGI. And this, I, I just was like, holy crap. (laughs) Like number one of them has to be Tron. Now I'm a big Tron fan. I love Tron. But when they CGI Jeff Bridges, I was just like, oh, my God, what? Well, you know, Um, I mean, you put Jeff Bridges out there, and it's like Jeff Bridges Bridges is hard to fix in any, you know, anything. (laughs) You know, aside from him looking rugged in, you know, what movie was that? that He came out True Grit. There you go. Yeah. But with that last five minutes, Nita, of the movie, did it not change – the feeling of A New Hope, the original Star Wars? Oh, yeah. It, it did. Uh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, like, after the ending, I was just, like, rushing home to, you know, watch A New Hope, you know, because it, it, yeah. it, it changes everything. To make, so, that connection, I mean, to make that new connection happen. Right. Right. Because, because um, like you were saying, like, you want to go home and watch it because of the fact of, hey – I didn't know it was like right after they handed these plans. And then because the opening scene, you're seeing Vader, you know, on his ship chasing Leia's ship. That to me also, and this is kind of like a funny moment, but the scene where he's chasing that ship 
It's kind of like Samsung chasing iPhone to try and get their chip. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like we don't want to explode either. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I like to say. I like to throw little things in there like that. You know, that's my pineapple right there. <laughs> yeah. I well, you know, I I hope they do some kind of like movie marathon where they show them all in a row. The, yes. you know, like like yeah. before the next movie comes out, like right. just show them all in a row. I I would be so down to do that. Now, the question here is this. What TV channel is going to do that first? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be TNT? I was just thinking you know, TNT. You know how they always play, like, yeah. there's always that one channel that plays, like, all these different movies and yeah. stuff? But it definitely isn't FX because they're so caught up on Jason Bourne right now. That's right. Every night there's a Jason Bourne movie on FX. <laughs> so it, it's going to be something. <laughs> it, it, may, it, may be a, it may be AMC. It may, I mean, mm. they... they you know, there's there's so many channels, so um, so many companies out there that have a connection, or yeah. you know, a contract, you know, with Disney, you know. Disney kids. So, <laughs> yeah, Disney kids, Star Wars. I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you what Rogue One really needed, um, needed to add to it was uh, it just needed, you know, a little more cowbell. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Kyle and uh, I. The cowbell. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. We we have been on that uh, SNL uh, greatest and was talking about it the night before the podcast. So yes, yeah, we were <laughs> we we're catching up on some good times, and uh, even watched a little bit of the old Jeopardy and you know showing our uh, lovely uh, ladies uh, you know some of our funniest moments from that as well. We could talk about that for hours though, just the epicness of Will Ferrell and. Alex Trebek and, um, you know, of course, <laughs> Blue Oyster Colt. I've only got the name right. There we go. Blue yeah. Oyster Colt and more cowbell. So, um, but continuing on with the Star Wars, um, what was your favorite part of the movie, though, Anita? How, what was your favorite part? Was it the five minutes of Vader? Was it the, Was it when we first saw him and he well, did the little thing? Obviously, the five minutes of Vader is your favorite. <laughs> Hell yeah. Favorite. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, honestly, it was it was when um um oh my god, my, her name uh was it Jay? Jen? Oh, Jen. Oh, yeah. Jen, Jen. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, Ever, when they were on the beach and they knew they were gonna die, yeah. and it was just that moment of oh my god, you know, we did it. Then we didn't die in vain, and you know that that right. moment actually, you know, I was just like, oh my god. Take it back. Well, you know that yeah, reminds that... me of a of a movie that came out with Jodie Foster in the early late nineties mm-hmm. or early two thousands. Well, you remember that movie, Nita? It's the one where the the uh, the asteroid or the, the comet tidal wave? hits, and the yeah. tidal wave comes yeah, over. Yeah, that and was uh, that was with um, I think that was with uh, Le- uh, uh, oh god, what's her name? Um. Uh, take, Kyle's um, going away on the laptop right now. <laughs> I know, right? No, she's married to uh, David Duchovny. Um, yeah, Leia yeah, Keone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she. Yeah. Um, yeah, when she was on the beach with her father, and that that tsunami was coming, and they were just making yeah. hands, and they were just like waiting for it. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I just I, I don't know if I want to go out that way. I mean, I guess there's no really no you're just gonna die I guess or you're just gonna have to accept it but yeah having to accept yeah, it in that and in, right. in just a short amount of time I mean God I don't know you know something I don't know. real quick I, too I was just uh 
I hate to cut you off, but I was just Googling her name to see what movie that is. Do you know that her name is now attached to the Han Solo? Right here. It shows right there. It's under there. She actually had an addition for um, Han Solo. And she's going to be in the oh, new wow. TV series, Conan. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. You know, they're going okay, to pretty interesting people. Okay. That's uh, kind of creepy, but kind of yeah. weirdly exciting. I, I know, right? <laughs> Like she, she is a really good actress. I, I love Jodie Foster, and I, you know, I, I liked her in uh, that original Disney movie with the very first one. You know what I'm talking about, Nita? Was it Candle Shoe? Yeah. Candle Shoe. What she is was in that. Shoe. Oh, Candle yeah. Shoe. Yeah. I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm checking now to see what is the name of that movie. I remember she was in Silence of the Lambs. Was it Contact? I think it was. Con- yeah, it was 97. Contact. Contact. Yep, yeah, 97. Yep, yeah. yeah, Contact. That was the movie right there where the word one where she stands at the beach and the tidal wave comes and, you know, takes him out. Right. So she was also on Bad Boys. Yes, she was. Yeah. She was pretty hot in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I like she, her with black hair. Yeah, it was different. Very different. And I just want to say, too, real quick, I know that um, we haven't really done this, but we just um, we just got on with our Facebook and our Twitter. I know it's something we spoke to before the break. And so if you want to follow us on uh, Facebook, just type in JK Podcast in the search bar. You'll find us on there. Um, Kyle and Shelby actually did a great job uh, designing and putting our new logo that we just posted today. Um, they yeah. used, you know, some awesome graphic design that they go to school for and attach it on there. And we already have a lot of people liking it and looking at it. So I definitely want to, you know, say thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Shelby. Um, yeah. Did a great job All on that. Shelby. Shelby, big time. And, uh, again, if you want to log in uh, on Facebook, find us on JK Podcast, or you can go to www.facebook.com backslash JK Podcast 101. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at JK Podcast 101. Uh, that's our Twitter handle. And then, of course, you know, if you all have some comments, questions, concerns, if you want to add something to these topics that we speak about, because we have a pretty long episode tonight. We're just going to take our time and boil the eggs that we have that may smell rotten. But, um is opinionated, of course. It is one six four six seven eight seven eight four nine one at six four six seven eight seven eight four nine one. But we always keep everything on the fly. So the next uh, thing we also want to announce is we have some uh, awesome news. Um, we're on iTunes, everybody, yeah. and I want to thank everybody for going on iTunes that we spoke to. Um, you know, our listeners have doubled. Mm-hmm. We're now in the UK. Thank you, iTunes listeners and downloaders. Yeah, downloaders. Thank you, guys, in the UK. Y'all are very fantastic. I love you very much. You guys are great over there. Yeah, I love sweet tea. And I even love The Office, the British version. But, you know, Michael in America is way better. So thank you very much. And then, of course, you know, we have some listeners in China. Thank you, guys, over there. Um, Norway. Yes, yes. We hit Norway. And, uh, you know, I love having some Vikings listen to us as well. And, uh, you know, we're growing a lot. And if you want to follow us on iTunes, we have a link on our Facebook page. Or you can click on the feed button on blogtalkradio.com backslash JK podcast backslash podcast and be able to download instantly from iTunes and the Google store. So you'll be able to get that in. And actually, um, Kyle and I run through numbers and um, we have a 600% growth as of today. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I just want to say that. Thank you, guys. So we're we're doing great, awesome things there. Yeah, and having people jump on like Nita will definitely help. Yeah, definitely, definitely come and uh, get on the show. You know, don't don't hesitate to call in, no matter where you live. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we like to hear from our fans or, you know, if we're entertaining you guys enough uh, <laughs> while you're on the job or uh, going home and listening. Right, right. Um, just let us know. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll go from there. Definitely. Um, and I wanted to say something, too, about the uh, Star Wars stuff. And I'm, I know uh, I know Anita is uh, a big fan as well. So I uh, was listening into some uh, some really neat things here. With some, I've been looking at fan-based films, short films, okay? Mm-hmm. So what I want our fans out there to do, um, I'm going to name this one that is amazing. But if you guys know some short Star Wars films. Not films. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let us know. Uh, send it to our page. Uh, call in. We'll look it up. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about it with you guys. Yeah. Uh, but I've got one right here. It's got 11,000 likes. It's called The Last Padawan, a short Star Wars story, fan film. Uh, Jesper Tones is the publisher. It was published on the 21st of December of 2016. And this is what he says in right here directly from YouTube. It says, uh, if you had been asked me when I was seven years old what film I would love to make, if I ever got the tools and knowledge, I would have said Star Wars. Normally, Star Wars films are made by a thousand people for a lot of money. This one is made by a few for almost nothing. We made this short film because we love Star Wars and the art of filming. It's a tribute to the old school somatic style and experiment to see if we could make a 20-minute live-action Star Wars story and still retain that wonderful Star Wars feeling. And it says... uh, if you have trouble making the film play, try watching it on a computer. Um, but it is amazing. Um, you know, I'm a big gamer, as, as you guys right here talking with us. We've all worked at GameStop. We're still working there. Um, so, uh, you know, you can watch them on your Xbox or on your PlayStation. Right, right. And, uh, you know, check it out. It's a, it's a really, really good film. And what it is is at the last Padawan running from Order 66 trying to find the crystals to make his lightsaber. Lightsaber, very And nice. he is on the hunt. On the hunt. To find that, and then there's people hunting him. Speaking of hunt, Sam Hunt will be performing at the Super Bowl. Now back to these messages. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Um, you know, check that out. I know, Nita, you, you, I know you would enjoy that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get this. Out. Yeah, I'm going to get this, uh, this link and post it to our page. Yeah, absolutely. Real do. quick right here. While Kyle's doing that, and I'll go from there. Yeah, well, while Kyle's doing that, real quick, you know, you can hear him clicking in the background. It's <laughs> 50 minutes per second. I'm teasing. Um, you know, Assassin's Creed movie. Uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about that um, in the last segment, and it wasn't really brought to light. And I, I think it's because Kyle and I had such a hangover effect from the Star Wars Rogue One yeah. that it just was too much, and it had to boil over into the next podcast some of the things that we wanted to talk about. And you know, rightfully so. It was our top-rated podcast. Um, you know, Nita, what what is your thoughts from what you can coherently remember? What I've what I've seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, how was the fifteen-minute uh, preview? I was joking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How how was the trailer? <laughs> um, it's uh, I don't know. Well, first and foremost, I Michael Fassbender is I, he's such a great actor. I yeah. I. Seriously, I could probably watch him fart on a drum and it would be fine for like five minutes. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like he's he's amazing. Um, I just 
the the script to me it just it just lacked it just it just lacked everything i i didn't feel anything for this movie which was very right. sad the um the action scenes were good um but there wasn't to me there just wasn't any time to like kind of take in what was going what was going on um you know it was like i'm in the animus i'm out of the animus i'm in the animus i'm right. you know it, it, there wasn't no time to like really take in what was going on did you kind of swerve with the eagle while it was flying? You know, like yeah, it was like. Oh. I mean, I mean, of course, <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> I, 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 of course, you know, everybody wanted to see the leap of faith. You know, it's great. You know, they actually right. did it. Um, you know, it's real. It's it's great. Um, yeah, all fifty. You know, stories. those those were amazing. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the environments they did a great job. You know, yeah. um, you know, going back and forth. Uh, I uh, the actress, I forget the the French actress. Um, God, what's right. her name? You know who I'm, I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just I I don't really. She's uh, boring Marianne to me. Cotillard, I think. Yeah, Marion. Yeah, she's she's boring to me. It's yeah, like she was kind of like she kinda was kind of boring. Yeah, like I mean, she just—it's like they just pulled her off the street, and they're just like, "Hey, you're going to be in this movie." I mean, I know yeah. she's—you know—she's been in some great films and everything, and mm-hmm. but I just—I was just really bored with it. You know, I think I think I've the reason—the reason why they brought her in is because you know it's supposed to be a male role um, mm-hmm. for that main role, and I, I believe her father in the movie was supposed to be the main role, um, right? And they just set her in. I think they did because she—you know—to be honest and frank, she's just hot. So I think that's probably why. And then also being able to have the female protagonist as one of the leads um, is a big, right. big thing right now. And I think that was another reason why she did a pretty good job. She was boring in a lot of her scenes. And I think it's because she's not a fan. Uh, I, I saw an interview with her and the, some of the other stars of the cast, Michael Fassbender. And then of course, what's his name? The, uh, the Jer- Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Uh, was a, yeah. yeah. He was in there and it was on HBO actually. And, uh, I didn't even notice, but, you know, Michael Fassbender plays the games. And so when he heard the movie was being made, he wanted to see the script and he wanted to try out for the role. Um, you know, Jeremy Irons is not a big fan, but he's such a great actor. Yeah, that, I agree. You know, he, he would have been great whether or not he had been a fan of the games or not. And then, of course, right. you know, she came on and, and she admittingly said that she was not a fan of the games, that she did not play games, and so she didn't know the story. And I think that if she would have spent some time and done what a lot of really good actors do or actresses and studied the role, the history and the games even, or even just the, the cinematic portions of it. I think it probably would have been better. You know, I think her performance. Would yeah, have been I agree. Better. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a big, I think that's a big deal uh, with video game movies uh, turned into mm-hmm. feature films or I'm sorry, video games turned into feature films. Um, I, I, I think that they should get actors who, you know, who do play, you know, the games and who, you know, and if they don't, you know, play a game, play the game, you right. know, get, get into it. Because that. I think, I, because I, I, I bet you anything, it would make the movie so much better because you're, you're, you're a fan, you know, you, you're, you know, you're getting into the role you're playing the games, you're in it, you know, um, 
Yeah. And it and it gets us excited, but though they you know they ended the movie, um, they left it open for a sequel. Um, right. Whether or not they do one, I don't know. Um, I would like for them to do Syndicate would have been an awesome one to to pick up. Um, right. Hell, I even Black Flag. You know. Right. Um, uh, you know who doesn't like pirates? You know, Black Sails is a great show on stars. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, or even uh, the point of possibly even having Altair, or um, oh yeah, that know. would have been awesome. Yeah, just to kind of go into it because it kind of seems like that what they did was they took from the uh, from the cast of um, the Brotherhood game, you know, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. In that timeline, where they were at their strongest as a creed, mm-hmm. and so they took from that and they kind of just ran with it. I think that's probably, you know, where they they got that story from and was able to, hey, this is the perfect time. We can pull several different, you know, uh, lineage guys, but they decided to make it look like this guy's the chosen one. You know, he's from a pure, the strongest of all assassins mm-hmm. because he came in touch with the apple. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's probably, mm-hmm. you know, what they did with that. And they did, I think they did a pretty good job um, with Michael Fassbender. And, of course, him being a fan, definitely was, he was able to put a little bit more into it. And later in the movie, even his – they even bring in some Creed game-like, fan-like, you know, portions. For example, the synchronizing, you know, the bleeding effect. Bringing those in, right. you know, and that was pretty cool. And even the animus was completely different, but I think it was way cooler than it just being like the Matrix lay back, right. sticky, and then you go to sleep for a few hours, and you think you've been gone for months. Right. You know, that whole, let me stick it into your spinal you know, cord, and <laughs> yeah. you jumping around in this machine, that was a lot cooler than just laying down. Yeah. You know, so right. I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. And then, I, I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nita, but isn't the, the girl in Assassin's Creed in the games, isn't her name Sophie? The one that breaks out, uh, what's his name? I want to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think that was her name. So it, it, if they do sequels, is she going to break him out, gonna break him out you know, yeah. and then help him, you know, with the with the brotherhood, you yeah. know, so. Right. But Yeah, it'll, movie, it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do with it from here on out. Yeah, and, and you know, Jeremy Irons did a great job, and even the him dying at the end of the movie um, was even an iconic, um, you know, moment for us as well. So, uh, and also, just want to give you a heads up too. So we have, I think it's about seven, six or seven more minutes until we get our guest to call in, and uh, yeah, you know, he'll be coming in talking to us with some questions that we have yep. lined up for him. So, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, you know, Nita's been here with us too. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, some other things, too, Nita, that uh, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on as we can move forward a little bit mm-hmm. is Nintendo Switch. I know that you work with GameStop. Oh, yeah. We all have our relationships with that company at some point or sometime in our lives, whether it's been working there uh, or being a customer or, uh, you know, it's just a contracted person with them or something. You know, with the reveal of Nintendo Switch today versus when they announced it, publicly three, four months ago, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the Nintendo Switch now? 
Oh, the switch. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I like Nintendo as a company. I do. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, I just think that they're in just so much competition with Xbox and PlayStation. I mean, Nintendo's been around for years, you know, and they're, you know, they're always going to have, you know, the family-based entertainment system, you know. Um, the Switch, to me, I, my, okay, my biggest thing about the Switch uh, versus the Wii U was the fact that now now the the Switch is, is portable. You can take it on a plane, right. train, yeah. car, whatever, okay. That tablet... Uh, especially when you have kids, you know, they're going to drop it. They're going to break it. You know, the, the screen's going to crack They're You know, it's going to get right. stolen, you know, whatnot. Some of the same issues are they going to mass produce that? Like, yeah. I mean, are they going to mass produce? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we, right, yeah. you know, there was a lot of, you know, pre-orders for, for this thing. And the, you know, if you, if you didn't pre-order, you're basically probably not going to get one anytime soon. And then on top um, of that, too, like, is it going to be like the Wii U? Are they going to make these same mistakes where, hey, we have this charger, you know, and then a year later, hey, we don't have a charger, you know, are the, and the accessory right. prices. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you know more about that than we do. What do you mm-hmm. think about the accessory prices? Are they trying to make more money? You know, they, yeah. they started the Switch at an incredibly low price at two ninety nine, outstanding. But yeah, I agree are they trying point. to make some ground and sales on accessories? You think, Nita? There, yes, I, I think they're they're trying to make up for the loss of, yeah, you know, not of the Wii not really selling all that well. Now everybody wants a Wii U. You know, it's it's the supply and demand thing. You know, um, right. just like how everybody wanted the NES, you know, classic. You know, yes. and and people and people still call about it. You know, I mean. Yeah. That's you know it's it's, it's you know we're not gonna see any until the whole hype has died down and then we're gonna get fifty and then nobody's gonna want it then you you know I mean Nintendo is notorious yeah. for that they did the same thing with the Amiibos um you know I I I don't know what their marketing ploy is um but it's 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 not I I think I think that they they can make a lot more money if they had a lot more supply. You know, right. Um, right. But, you know, my biggest, make, you know, the, the right. actual accessories themselves. Well, you know, what's right. Crazy yeah. About they, that? There's so many accessories, that. though. That's that's the thing. Yeah. There's so many accessories for this thing. And <clears throat> I, I mean, it's it's just like I, I don't I just don't think it's necessary. And, you know, what's you funny know? is like when you were saying about, uh, you know, the supply and demand and, and the way they do things, you know, what's funny about that is is Japan has this whole uh, different approach to their uh, production and how many they're going to pound at one time at this point in time and then this quarter and then this month, um, you know, versus, you know, us in the USA side, uh, you know, on the eastern side of the world, I guess you'd say, um, they, they just, you know, we just mass produce. We, we get it out there. We know how many we're going to have. They do polls, and I'm not saying they don't, but like you say, if they could really home in and know what they're doing to push this out to the millions of Americans that will buy it at two ninety nine, it would be phenomenal. Right. 
I, I mean, I yeah, I I, I definitely agree. Uh, but there are some things that I mean that just bother me. I uh, I'm going to tell you, I didn't pre-order one because I I, I just there's just I mean of course I want to play Legend of Zelda that game looks amazing right. um but it's not enough for me to buy a switch you know mm-hmm. um and and the other thing is is that they are going to charge for online services just like you know PlayStation Network and Xbox right. Live Gold um like they will have free games but you you only get it for that month and you're going to have to buy right. it after the month is gone that's and then on top of that too, you you look yeah, that's that's dumb. I don't like that. And then on top of that too, who in the hell is gonna want to buy Alien and Colonial Marines again? <laughs> why would you even why would you even want to associate that as a new game for sixty dollars with your bundle? Yeah. How insane is that? I mean, is it that big in, in Japan to wanna have it as a bundle? I mean probably prob- I mean, probably. I mean the only the, the one cool thing is that it is not region locked. So the people yeah, who yeah. are really into their JPRGs can order yeah. stuff from Japan and the UK, and that's and they can get their games, that's, and and that's and that's cool. They should have done that with the Wii U. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't I agree know. Big time. I, do you think? Do you think it's that the? Do you think the former president had a lot to do with this console, or do you think it's something that Nintendo feels they had to do because if they didn't, they were going to die? <sighs> Because really I know tough working one. at GameStop in the past, you know, we all felt like Nintendo was going to be out of business in five years because of the console, the lack of content, the horrible customer service, the accessories being discontinued, the inconvenience of not being able to have reliability, you know, with changing your services online, you know, not being able to carry your favorite games to a new console that you purchased on the Wii or that you purchased on the Wii U even to a new Wii U. You know, I, I felt like that was killing their sales. And that inevitably, it made me feel like Nintendo is going to be beloved, but say, I hate to associate like this, but like Carrie Fisher, gone. Yeah, I um, I don't know. To me, I just feel like, you know, in Japan, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're the innovators. You know, they're always right. coming up with new technology. And it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm confused because with Japan, you know, being innovators, like I, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't made a system that does it all. Right. But you have place, you have, yeah, you know, Xbox and PlayStation who are giving us what we want, and Nintendo is just not. You know, they, right. they think we want it, but we don't. You know, yeah, right. um, they, 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 you know, Microsoft and, and PlayStation, they listen to us. They listen to the fans. They, they, they listen to what we want and what we want in a, in a console. But I don't, I just don't think Nintendo does. Yeah. I, I, think, I think Nintendo they just do what they want to do and, and just roll it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're still high and mighty about themselves that they still have this false godlike nature. And I think that has a lot to, you know what I mean? I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, and the question is, like Harry Potter, that little goblin, how much gold coins does Nintendo still have in the bank from their original consoles that's keeping them afloat? You know what I mean? That's a good way to do that. Is yeah. it, it going to keep them afloat by releasing another Zelda game? Maybe, you know. But nowadays, those millions of dollars only carry so much weight. You know, it, right. it's not right. cost-effective anymore. It's not the quality anymore. It's about the almighty dollar. And, you know, that by to me, honestly... I think it really resonated in a lot of Nintendo fans' hearts 
in their pocket when they saw that this was coming out at a, such a low price. But wait, here's the kicker. Our accessories are just as much or more than a video game. And you have to have these to play certain games, I'm sure. So, you know, I think that that really hit them in the in the stomach a little bit and started making them think, well, Nintendo doesn't really care about the fans like they used to. They just care about the money, you know. And that, I think, is going to be their downfall. Now, I hope the Switch does well. I hope it's effective. And maybe – and here's the, here's the thing, Kyle, Anita. Is it too futuristic to the point to where it's like the Sega – a Dreamcast. Ooh, that's a good one you pulled out there. Is it like that mm. too, too, too soon? Yeah. And is it going to kill itself when PlayStation or Xbox comes out in a year or two and comes out with a console or something, an update that is better that's going to shoot them in the dirt? Yeah. You know, I, um, I think I, I think it's a race to be won. I mean, it, yeah. it's a constant race with everyone. I mean. I actually think that the Xbox One S was a, a dumb idea to come out because Scorpio is coming out next, coming out this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, is, I mean, for me, people, people are going, dude. I just spent, you know, three, four hundred dollars on an S, and now there's a new console coming out. Like I can't keep up with this. It's like buying Skylanders. Yeah, and then you, know? you actually end up <laughs> I mean, being kind of stressed out about it a little bit because being a gamer myself, right. like what you just said, I've, I've just bought this and I really. Being a, a geek on the inside, there is a part of me, at least 5 to 25% that's going, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Man, it's got this and this. Yeah. And man, should I get it? Or should I turn it in? And should I trade in the GameStop? Should I sell it? Right. You know? And then you're like, no, I'm just going to leave it alone because I don't know what's coming out next. It's moving right. so fast. And at the same time, you're thinking, all right, all right, all right. Not so all right. <laughs> but uh, you know. right, but I mean it's that. I mean, but see, for for you know corporations like GameStop, that's good news for us because we're going to get those trades. So regardless, exactly. GameStop's exactly. going to make money. Um, right. But and we'll but, you know, but the, out the week. <laughs> right. But let me let me ask you guys this. I, I'm and I'm curious, and I've actually talked to you know a few people about this. Now, everybody is used to their PlayStation or their Xbox, right? And everybody's either playing, you know, there's, you know, especially like sports games, you know, FIFA, NBA, Madden, Mm -hmm. Um, they're used to their consoles. Now, Nintendo just, you know, had uh, their contracts with EA and and, and the other, you know, sports, um, or or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, just EA and like Activision. And and so you're going to get those AAA titles now on the Switch. Do you think... You do you think you know Joe Schmo over here who is dedicated to his Xbox or his PlayStation is going to go? You know what? I think I'm going to play NBA 2K18 on my on my Wii Switch. Do you, I I swear to God I don't think I will ever yeah, hear that got, out of anyone's I've got mouth. One word for that one. The ones who will be playing the sports games on the Switch, kids. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I mean you know, yeah, just that's saying, true. But I mean, the know, multiplayer. If the, you play, if you play those sports games on the Switch, then you might as well be playing Scale. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't play Scalebound. <laughs> sorry, Xbox gamers, I forgot. My bad. Too soon. <laughs> but, but no, uh, serious, <laughs> no, no, serious. Um, with you, Nita, on this one, you know, I can see it being actually. You know, if there's those Nintendo lovers that also are playing these sports games, 
if they can play that on the fly, in other words, if they can take that system, this is where it might have a perk, uh, the pros of having this, um, they bring it to work. Let's say it's someone that works at a, at a dock. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're doing shipments. There's that downtime, but they've got to be there. And they just pull it out and they can play. And, you know, and I know there's remote play and there's different things like that uh, with the other systems. But having that core support with the Nintendo Switch, and if that person has that and they can get their friends on, do you think it would make a big enough impact where they would, uh, all of a sudden it being like Xbox, all my friends have, oh, my God, have Xbox, let me play with them. But here's Here, I'll stop you at that. I don't think Nintendo is going to be able to have the wherewithal or the capability of supporting that bandwidth. I don't because they haven't been able to in the past. Why would they be able to do it now? Why would they be able to to have that bandwidth and that support in a remote area or even just off of Wi-Fi when they couldn't even do it with the Wii U and you being 30 feet away from the core console? You know what I mean? It's not, I don't believe it's going to happen. And even if you played with the 3DS or new 3DS XL or whatever they want to call it, that, you know, that fire emblem is saving their, their, their biscuits with. Yeah. That's true. That we're going to talk about. Yeah. And we'll talk about that too, but that they couldn't even, you had to be in the same room practically to play a friend. If you played online, it was so much trouble and there were so many problems with that. And that was a handheld device that's made for that specialty. Mm -hmm. So how are they going to do with a handheld console? I don't think it'll do well. I think that this is going to tank. I don't want it to because it looks perfect. It looks beautiful. It's yeah, green, but I don't think it's going to work. But moving forward from the Switch, um, and we'll go back into it because I'm going to go talk yeah. to Tendo for years. Um, we have our guest on. Uh, it's His name is Christopher Grimes. He's a former songwriter, musician. He works with the Lipman Group uh, yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee, all the way from up north where Jack Daniels, the great drink that I had last night, Jack and Coke, uh, <laughs> derives from. Chris, how is your New Year going? It's going well. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we hear you pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, yeah, um, New Year's going New Year's great. Going great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. So I do have a couple of... Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask, how's y'all's new year going? Going pretty good. We got Kyle here. Um, we yeah, got a lot of listeners great. listening in. Um, we've made some, you know, New Year's resolutions and things that we're working on. Ironically, um, Lauren and I went to, uh, you know, to the gym. We joined a gym, and the first day that she worked out, she actually came home bringing McDonald's. So it's kind of like a counterproductive <laughs> first thing, but hey, kind yeah. of kind of getting that uh, Coke and half Coke and half Diet Coke. There you go, an Arnold Palmer <laughs> or something that makes the things. But before we dive anything else, I know Nita's got to run. Um, thank you, Nita, for joining us tonight. It was oh awesome. yeah, definitely. Thank you, Nita. Thanks, we'll thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That, ladies and gentlemen, Nita Burson from the Electric electronic ambush league one of my former co-hosts and hopefully be coming on to join us in future shows as well so thank you again nita yeah no problem thanks guys you guys have a good night all right you too nita you as well (laughs) so definitely um you know chris looking into the new year um i know that you've had a lot of different changes from this new year to last new year and even the new year before that and you working in the music industry how is that compared to being in real estate now 
Well, gosh, they both industries are ferociously competitive. Um, I will say that the music industry really forces you to be very in tune with your inner artists. Um, and if you're not, people can, people just know. Um, and in real estate, you have to be probably even more in tune with your inner confidence. And you really right. have to sell. I don't know. that I guess there are some similarities. You really have to sell what you believe in. And, you know, mm-hmm. and you have, I guess you do have to be confident in both. But, um, I don't know, two totally different walks of life, even though they right. have similarities. Both very stressful, I'm sure. And uh, then, uh, I think any, just about any career can have its stresses. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So when you were in the music industry, how was it, you know, when you met celebrities? I know you were on tour with Jason Aldean and Luke Bryan and, and with the Rachel Farley band and even meeting some of the uh, famous artists and, and songwriters. When you met those, I know some of them you knew and some of them you got to know what they did. But when you met one that you were in, you absolutely knew who they were. How did you feel? Like, was it like a, like a typical fan? Like you were really super excited you had to control yourself or how was that? Well, you want to know the truth. I mean, I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of country music. Um, mm-hmm. The only country artists that I really knew were like Dolly Parton, Shania Twain, Faith Hill. And, um, yeah, I'm a big Shania you know. Twain as well. <laughs> so that, those were like, if I had met any of them, I probably would have like, myself but um, (laughs) I guess it was it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't really know um, a lot of the you know I guess if you want to call them like you know country stars and stuff I guess it was a blessing I didn't really know them when I was meeting them so I was just to me they're just another person yeah absolutely I mean I I know personally because I was able to go there with you uh, down in Tampa and experience um you know, what you were doing at the time and, and seeing That's the really show, cool. it, it was absolutely amazing just to be able to spend the time with you and, um, you know, experience that side of music that people don't typically see or hear or be a part of unless they pay mm-hmm. for it or they buy a DVD, you know, or, or go now to the movies and be able to purchase a ticket to watch that experience. Um, so definitely I think that was something that I, I found a lot of interest into. But, you know, some of your... You know, being in music, you know, obviously you're on the road a lot. I remember you were gone for several months at a time. And uh, so what are, like, some of your favorite moments that you had, you know, being on the road? I think my favorite moment was um, we wound up playing a – so when we were on tour, we were playing an amphitheater tour. Um, And most of the amphitheaters, like, once you played one, the next one started – they all started to – look like each other i mean but when we got to chicago what was that kind of like blending in together yeah like you know when you see one you've seen them all kind of thing um but there was one in particular that really stood out um and it was in chicago Um, most most amphitheaters seat like 15 20,000 people sometimes they're as low as 5,000 but the the amphitheater in Chicago sat 50,000 people. Wow. Um, at least that's what I was told. I mean, it was so massive. A lot of they even had like a, a lot of, yes. <laughs> uh, but they had like a double-decker balcony over the grassy area and stuff. I had never seen anything quite like it. 
and I was just when I played like when we opened up the show and we you know was, we were playing I just I looked out in the crowd and I just had a special moment myself I started to tear up because I I thought oh holy crap like thinking back when I was playing keys in church and like when we would have a full Easter Sunday with 400 people I thought gosh this is amazing and right. here I am you know standing in front of you know 40 50,000 people yeah. and actually you know listening and it was just it was a, I had a very special moment of um wow I've I've achieved something great here right Definitely. I know that's something that uh, you look at and it's, almost, it's a dream, you know, and uh, that was something that is epic as uh, we are interviewing Chris Grimes with Liff, um, Lipman Southern Realty. And of course, Shelby and Lauren have walked into the kitchen where Kyle and I are set up and they're <laughs> eating cookies now. Yeah. So they made yeah. some uh, cookies. You are about 20 minutes late. You haven't beat. <laughs> but, um, you know, Chris, I know you said that was some of your favorite moments, and that was definitely, I think, one of the moments that would be forever in my mind. Um, but one of the uh, – I think Kyle has something for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, when you when you were at that Chicago uh, amphitheater and you were at that moment, did you have that feeling of, like, okay, I've made it. This is This is really cool. This is really neat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah. and we, you know, when we were when we were on that tour, we were opening for Luke Bryan and Jason Aldean, and I mean, two massive names. I mean, right in country music, and even though we were just the opener, um, it. I mean, we still were playing in front of the crowd, and it was an we were it was enough. You know, sometimes whenever you're the opener, people are just talking over you and not paying a lot of attention. And I'm sure that was happening. But in my right. like what I was able to see, people were there, they were excited and they were they might not have known all the words of what we were playing, but they were dancing mm-hmm. along. And yeah, and, being and a musician even, when, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say when you're a musician, that is the ultimate high, the ultimate compliment when mm-hmm. you see that you're connecting and people are truly entertained by what you're doing right. yeah and then on top of that too i remember being in tampa and seeing you know y'all play and everything and and y'all at some points in the, in the show were better than the, the you know the starring cast you know or the musicians that were coming out that wow. people were paying to really see you know that there were some songs that you did better at and that you were more in tune and sync with and i think maybe it's because it's still that raw love of the feel um that was there you know so, but, um, you wow. know, some of the that moments that you, tough. yeah, it, it, it really was. And, you know, sitting back so far away on the grass and watching y'all and seeing all the people coming in and as they were coming in, seeing how they were moving up closer to be an experience or have feel that experience of y'all's music. That was something that was pretty awesome to see as well. But if you could, I know you had a lot of characters on that band, no doubt. Larissa Farley, um, you know, yes. has a great sense of humor. Rachel has a very dark sense of humor, but funny. And then, you know, of course, Lex, you know, Robertson, who also plays in the Salvation Army Band, um, being with that band. And I'm sure everybody had some sort of humor. What are some of the funniest moments that you experienced with them on the road? Well, you know, before I answer that question, I mean, I want to go back to the the previous one. And the Mm -hmm. when you were talking, when you asked me my favorite moment, like that was probably 
that was my uh, that was like an epiphany moment for me. But I think mm-hmm. my two most favorite moments were when mom and dad, uh, when my mom and dad um, came down to Jacksonville, Florida, um, just to come and see me play. Um, they, you know, living in living in Conyers, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, you know, they actually made the drive all the way down. You know, checked into a hotel and stayed the oh, night, wow. and I was able to take yeah, I was able to take them on the bus and you know. Same thing that, you know, and then also, so that, that was something about every, I think every child has an innate desire to want to make their parents proud, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment where I was able to do that. And then my second favorite moment, Jesse, was when you came down and I was able to share that with you because yep. it was and then being able to see, like it was, Yeah, to see that and see how proud, you know, I was because we had that moment, you know, in, in Midtown Atlanta where you were trying out for the voice and, you know, being shot down, but always and saying, Hey, look, there's a reason why, you know, and, and you know, that this didn't happen. And then a couple of weeks later, here you are about to, you know, join this band that was going to open up on a major stage, you know, and um, that was pretty epic. And then of course, also one of the funny moments for me was seeing Luke Bryan jump at the back of a pickup truck about to fly a drone. <laughs> you know, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. See, funniest moment on the tour. Gosh, that's a hard one. Uh, you know, actually, it's not that hard. So I think if if there are any if there are any uh, Luke Bryan or Jason Aldean fans, you're going to get a kick out of this. When we started the tour, all the bands, um, Luke's band, Jason's band, and Rachel's band, including myself, we all went out into the grassy area of the amphitheaters, and we would have a wiffle ball tournament. Okay. Where we, you know, it was just like baseball, but we used like a wiffle ball. And, you know, I played baseball. I was really good back in like my primary years, like until I was 10. <laughs> but I had never touched a baseball and never swung a bat since then. And I was so embarrassed. I could never hit the ball. All the guys were like <laughs> looking at me like. And one time I hit the ball, so excited. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Sorry. Let me rewind. That's not the funny one. The funny one is um, they put me on shortstop or I, I, I guess I chose shortstop because I played shortstop as a kid and I have a decent arm, I guess. But so Jason Aldean's daughters and his wife were playing this time and his oldest daughter hit the ball and you know all the guys are being gracious and letting her make it to first base. And then she made it to second base. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hope the ball's not hit to me. And would you know, <laughs> the ball was hit to me. So I caught, the, I mean, I got the ball. Um, and, you know, the way everyone was playing is you either tag the person or you can just hit them with a the ball because it's just a wiffle ball. And they were out. Oh, no. uh, so I caught the ball and, like, the girl's running right in front of me. And I'm standing there. I'm like, oh God, what do I do? This is Jason's daughter. Do I, do I tag her? Do I throw the ball at her? And I'm, while I'm hesitating and I'm just paralyzed thinking, what am I going to do? Um, she's running right past me. And all my teammates are telling me, tag her, tag her. So, so at the last minute, I throw the ball just about as hard awkwardly as I could. And I missed her. And she was only like 10 feet away from me. <laughs> well, in, in, in all and, of the situation, you were actually doing right by both people or both parties. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, immediately 
I mean, I don't even know what happened. I didn't hear anything. It's like everything fell silent. And I looked at Jason Aldean, and he just looked at me with disgust. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know if he was disgusted that I missed her or if he was just disgusted that I tried to hit her. I don't know. That's great. It's good to know that he's got oh. uh, some competition in the blood there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder what it would have been if it had been like, like, you know, like Luke Bryan was yeah. trying to, like, come on, dude, you know, I have to have the number one single. Well, also, <laughs> how about how about this, Chris? It's, it's funny if he took you after and was like, man, I can't believe you missed. Or or if it was going to be the other way around and be like, oh, man, are you serious? She just ran right past you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Gosh. So was uh, this, Chris, was this like a, a good like stress reliever for you guys? You know, it's at a new place. You're getting familiar with it. So that's kind of a good tactic, you know? Yeah, well, it was, I think it was honestly for the for Luke and Jason's band, it was just like what they did. It was their tradition, Yeah. which wound up being a great icebreaker for my crew, but not necessarily for me because I mean I just got to the point where I didn't even go out anymore. <laughs> I was so <laughs> you'll stay on the side, sit on the sidelines, and finally I just stopped going because <laughs> they're like, "Why don't you play?" And I'm like, "Are you serious? Have you seen me play?" <laughs> well, you know that's definitely that's definitely a pretty funny moment. I, I think that in your situation though, it's almost like a Jerry Seinfeld moment where you have to make a decision. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you, you can kind of picture him talking in the mind, but you did. The, I think you did the right thing. Whether Jason Aldean liked it or not, you did the right thing. Oh, um, I was totally. It was totally a Kramer moment. <laughs> totally. Yeah, oh yeah. Jerry, what do I do? <laughs> um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of weight that goes with that too. You know, I know that you know there's a lot of networking and music and everything, and and what you have to do day in and day out, whether you're on tour, whether you're back home, whether you're taking travel to radio shows and promoting and stuff like that, which and, and working in real estate too, leads me to my next question, which is harder to network in? Is it real estate or is it in the music industry? You know, it depends on your personality. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot straight with you. <laughs> I was, when I was on the road, okay, I'm gay. And when I was mm-hmm. on the road, I was not out. I didn't tell anyone because I didn't think at least it wasn't until near the end of the tour that I finally did come out, but I didn't think people were receptive to it. Right. Um, right. I was honestly afraid that some, you know, uh, someone was going to do something to me or I was going to, you know, be the outcast. Frowned on, you know. Yeah. But how, so how I, being, How's being a, a gay man, you know, that has such strong beliefs, working in the music industry and having that challenge, you know, and knowing that, and then, like you said, coming out towards the very end of the tour, you know, how much of a difference did that make for you um, in that, that moment of being able to finally release and say, hey, look, you know, I'm gay, but I have passion for music. I love music. I write music. And being able to work with other singer-songwriters or band members? Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was really, it was, it was liberating, but it was, it wasn't as easy as, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be, but Mm -hmm. it also was not as easy as what I hoped it would be. When I, to answer your question about the networking, had I gone on the road and told everybody from the very start, hey, this is who I am, 
you know. Um, mm-hmm. I probably would have had an easier time networking. But because I was just trying to be cool and fit in, the, fit in with everyone in the first two, three quarters of the tour, um, I wound up not doing, I mean, I didn't network very well. I mean, I just, I, I really bonded with the people that I was closest to, the people in Rachel's band. Mm-hmm. But that was, and you know, I wound up bonding with a couple people in the record label, but that was really it. It's a whole lot easier for me to network in real estate because I can be who I am mm-hmm. and people seem to like me for me. Who you are. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, I will say, though, you asked me about coming out on the road. When I did come out, um, Luke Bryan's drummer, his name is Kent, he was he was really great. There were, there were a couple guys that kind of um, said some things and, uh, you know, said some things behind my back and everything. But when mm-hmm. Kent found out about it, he, uh, you know, he told him, he, he just told him basically, you know, shut up. You know, like it takes more balls to come out and be your authentic self than it does to stand back here behind his back and make fun of him. Right. So I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for Luke Bryan, Luke Bryan's drummer because of that. Yeah, that that definitely takes a lot of courage, you know, on your part, and then also his part to defend you because it's at the time, and even so now, it's, it's such a hot topic whether it's from rights and positions and beliefs, you know, to being in a, uh, I guess you could say a very conservative industry being the country music, mm-hmm. you know, in a music where it is conservative, but speaks a lot to sex at the same time. Yeah. Um, it is the you know, white man's rap, quote unquote. A lot of the, I mean, a lot of the songs that people love in country music um, I mean, one of the biggest songwriters here in Nashville, his name is Shane McAnally, and he's gay, he's married, and he and his husband have, you know, uh, a boy and a girl, and I mean, a genuinely nice guy, but he writes some of the biggest songs that you hear in country music right now. Ben Perry's Better Dig Too, I mean, he wrote mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, I can't even think of the song list, but if you just look up Shane McAnally and look at all the songs that he's written, uh, he's also like the brainchild behind Brandy Clark. Casey Musgraves, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's some of the bigger names. Uh, well, s- some incredible talent um, and right. incredible songs, and you know, here it is, uh, all generated from, you know, in the in yeah. the right in the songwriting part of the industry. I don't think sexual no one cares. I don't think anyone gives a hoot. Right. Well, that's because I think yeah. you're you're behind the the curtain, so to speak. You know, you're not mm-hmm. in the light. You know, I mean, and and so they they can have that sense of security of keeping you enclosed. You know what I mean, or in a bottle. And that's sad because you know some songwriters don't get a lot of credit. You know, yeah, for that. that's They're, right. Like you just mentioned, Sean McAnally. I'm sure he doesn't get a lot of credit unless it's in the music industry. You know, I'm sure that a lot of people don't look at his name up when they see Casey Musgraves. You know, they type her name in iTunes to find that song that he wrote. And that's you know, it's it's. It's unfortunate that that happens, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, but a question for you here is, you know, in that sense, what difference can, you know, can we all make to make it more open and understood versus it being so taboo? You know, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I, 
I think the best thing, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question kind of indirectly. When I meet, you know, when I meet, um, you know, couples and stuff, straight or gay, I don't. My mind doesn't go to what do they do in the bedroom. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't right. care. I just see two human beings, and I see, you know, they love each other, or they're great for each other, or they both have good style, whatever, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, so if we all just looked at each other that way and didn't put so much weight on what someone does in the bedroom, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, that alone would take away the taboo. Honestly. I would like to say something about that with you, about Chris. Um, I think, you know, you're, you're dead right about that because, a lot of emphasis is put too much on the sexuality part and not on the actual emotions, the people Mm -hmm. that are involved in that relationship, whether they're straight or gay. um, If, if they truly care and see what's going on, uh, you know, in that relationship, instead of thinking about the sexuality, it would be dead on. I think just like that, it wouldn't be as taboo. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and also when people like um, Ty Herdman, you know, when he came out, and when um, oh my gosh, I don't, he was just on the Voice, and I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm embarrassed that I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, when when a, when an artist, country, non-country, whenever they, you know, if they do come out and you know announce that they're gay and everything support them like that's mm-hmm. the biggest that that's the biggest voice that fans could have um it's just right so yeah it's, it's it's the support it's the the courageous moment it's something that not many people are able to do or willing to do or can do at the time you know and it, it's become a taboo or a taboo thing and it really should be more open especially in the, it's 2017 you know we have bills passed that's put into law about it now. You know, it shouldn't be such a fringed upon topic, you know, and, and it's sad to see so, an individual's rights be lumped in with abortion or Planned Parenthood or something that is so um, fringed upon because it's a group of people who have rights and who want to obtain rights, not for acknowledgement, but for the mere fact of having freedom, which is what this country was founded right. on. And working in that aspect, too, I know you and your husband are very active in the gay rights movement. Um, what are some, you know, events and things that y'all have done or is coming up that y'all actually partake and uh, participate in? Well, you know, as far as we're not necessarily involved in, like, the equal, um, like, HRC and stuff like that, but we um, we are both, we are members of the, uh, LGBT Chamber of Commerce here in Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. We have monthly meetings where we try to support each other's, you know, we all the members, well, many of the members, you know, we get together and we try to support each other's businesses and highlight each other's businesses uh, so we can know to support these businesses. If I, you know, as a, as a realtor, if, uh, you know, there's a marketing company that I know is ran by or owned by, you know, a gay or lesbian you know, I might be more apt to 
go, you know, give them my business to support them. Um, anyway, so there's, there's that. We, um, we also are very involved in some non-LGBT kind of um, events. We both are chairman of um, an event at, at the uh, Nashville Antiques and Garden Show. And uh, just by putting us together and we're holding hands and we're, you know, working these events together and it's obvious that we're married. We both have the same kind of wedding ring and we share the same last name just by Mm -hmm. going and working and and giving our time back to the community as a couple, you know, we feel like we're helping to promote that this is normal. It's not just something you see on TV. Like this is, you know, and that's our own little way of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say advancing gay rights, but I guess indirectly that's what we're doing. Right, and it's a way for you guys to uh, be together as a full group, as a whole. But, you know, I was just thinking something too, Chris. Um, you know, you say you guys have the, um, the the Chamber of Commerce and stuff with the LGBT community. Um, you know, some people might think in their mind automatically, oh, it's just, it's just uh, um, uh, the, the gay community that's at this, but it's probably – what I was just thinking is probably a group of people who support everyone that is there for the purpose of, of making sure everyone has those rights, but also as a community coming together just for the businesses as well, whether they were straight, whether they are gay, um, you know what I mean? And so is that also yeah. what's going on there when you have the meetings, not just, not just gay people that are there or, or couples is, is also straight as well. Right. You are totally correct. The second in charge of the Chamber of Commerce is actually a straight woman who just has a lot, who has a passion for, you know, for minority, for people who are maybe a minority or who may be. Um, We're setting up for that equality. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you are right. It's more of a forum for people that are like-minded than a forum for, uh, for just people of sexual orientation. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well said, Kyle. Very well said. Yeah, very awesome. I, I, hats off. That was very well put. Um, you know, Chris, working in real estate and obviously people knowing or not knowing or assuming your sexual orientation or, you know, that sort of thing. I know you've worked with some celebrities in the past, um, and I know you probably can't name any, or if you can, it's cool, but um, has that ever come in conflict or has that benefited? at all or has has that come up in conversation or has it just been strictly professional? You know, um, I, I, I don't want to name names that I've worked with, but I will say I've worked with, um, with the clients that I've worked with, I've been very cautious not to push my, you know, my sexual orientation to all But if they do have questions or if it just happens to come up in conversation, I share it. And I don't, and I think I have, well, let me take a step back. I don't think I have lost any clients because I'm gay. But I do know, I do know that I have actually gained clients because either they were gay or they were comfortable working with me. Um, you know, like a husband and wife, <laughs> the husband was totally mm-hmm. fine with a wife going and looking at houses with me versus 
you know, someone else. I, I just, right. I know that might sound a little awkward and I'm not trying to read too deeply into the, you know, people that I've worked with and stuff, but no one is, I don't feel like I have been judged by many. In my that's, that's good. So bringing the, I guess the topic back to a little, um, a little more light for our audience. I know you, it's the new year's and you have your resolution that you've put in. I know you and John are working hard on that resolution. What is your new year's resolution and have you failed or succeeded thus far? <laughs> I had a couple resolutions. One Whoa. of them was to, <laughs> to make this year the, the best year, like to be in the best health that I've ever been in. I've actually, ironically, I've, I've been experiencing some health issues the past few weeks that, that couple weeks that have prevented me from being able to focus on that. So I'm trying to push through those health things and, you know, so there's that. Mm-hmm. The second thing is to be the most authentic me. Um, that's awesome. To, that's well put. Yeah. That's, and those are my only resolutions, and I'm working on both of them. <laughs> so I haven't failed yet. Very cool. Very cool. Um, at least you didn't stop at McDonald's like I, you know, like we did. <laughs> um, McDonald's is not my weakness. Taco Bell is my weakness. Oh, my oh no. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know which is worse, food poisoning or Taco Hell. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, uh, on a light note too here, Chris. You know we are pop culture, so uh, I, I had some questions of, uh, you know, what movie or series that you're looking forward to in 2017. Ooh. Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a great question. I have to say, like, I, I'm i so busy with work and stuff that I don't get it. I don't get the chance to watch a lot of TV. This is going to – I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I am so looking forward to season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. I was about to say, <laughs> that was probably the one that you would go to. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um uh, but as far as movies, I just tonight saw La La Land. Okay. Okay. Holy, holy crap! I was looking forward to seeing that, and holy crap, it is—it's incredible. Is it good? How many thumbs? I as many thumbs as I can get. I mean, <laughs> I get them. <laughs> I mean, I give them both my thumbs up. Excellent. I, I I really recommend it to to everyone. It's great. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's great. Definitely have to take a peek at that and see if we can put that in another podcast to do a review on. Um, I know one time we went and we saw, uh, what was that movie? That It was the musical from Disney, um, Into the Woods. We saw that while we were up visiting in Nashville, and that was, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to go back and actually watching bits and pieces of it later on afterwards, you know, that was pretty, it was pretty good. It brought a lot of solidarity uh, to the film itself. Um, you know, and then of course, uh, we know that your husband is a famous hairdresser and that he works out of cabin and out of cab, if you, if you would, at the beautician <laughs> parlor. Um, so who is more famous in your house? Is it you? Is it your husband, John? Is it Dexter? Is it the cat? You know, who's, <laughs> who's more famous? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, John is so humble. And so, um, but he, people, you know, people definitely know who he, I'll have to say that the most, the most famous 
creature in our home would have to be a little new cat, Fancy. Uh, Fancy, yes. Fancy. Fancy's she, the most uh, famous in the Graham's house. Now, oh, who gosh. is this Fancy? You have to tell me. Fancy is – go ahead, Chris. Take it away. I know you'll, want, you'll love Fancy, too. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to keep it short. She actually um, – my partner's best friend, his family is from Cairo, Georgia, and there was just – long story short, one of their cats had a litter of cats, and the only – like one day they all disappeared, and the only one left was Fancy, this little small runt oh, wow. of, a, of a litter. And, uh, you know, we wound up making way ma- making a way for – her to make it all the way up here to Nashville and uh, found out that she had a respiratory infection, an ear infection. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. really, she, she almost didn't survive. And anyway, thanks to my sister Ashlyn and, uh, and stuff, she, she made it, she survived and she is, Oh my gosh, she's queen of the queen of the cabin. So like uh, Beyonce's original uh, band, that everybody forgets about. She's a survivor. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so, and also, kind of going off songs, uh, fancy like the Reba, Reba song. There you go. Ah! That's, that's, that's how she got her name. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, my partner, John, Diggy. was like, okay. She, my partner was, John was like, okay, you got one, one shot. One fancy, shot. don't let us one down. Shot. <laughs> that's great. That is awesome. That's good. And then you know, I was about to say if it was Iggy Azalea, then the, you know, I'm so fancy that single maybe that probably, but you know, Reba's probably better. But uh, well, if there's say, any, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say I I will say uh, Fancy started off as you know a Reba song, but she has totally turned in. I mean that Iggy song is totally her theme. It's her anthem. She is oh, she is so fancy now. There you go. Very awesome. Very awesome. And then, uh, of course, um, you know, I know you, you're on Instagram and everything too. What are some other, if people are looking you up online or able to follow you on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, go ahead and give them your information, Chris. Oh, that's easy. You know, I have links to my Instagram and to my professional Facebook page, all on my website. It's chriscrimesrealestate.com. ChrisGrimesRealEstate.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, do you have the link there? We'll go ahead and what we'll do is we'll add it to our page and we'll share it. Uh, I know Kyle's typing away. We're going to do that so it kind of gets you a little more plug in there. Um, this Thanks. has been Chris Grimes on the JK Podcast, a famous real estate agent, as you would, up and coming in Nashville. And, of course, uh, singer-songwriter, ongoing on break, whichever way, but also having extreme life experiences that a lot of us would aspire to want to have and be in and even just to experience. Um, so thank you for joining us. I know that y'all just got back home from having dinner in a movie and, you know, give yeah. our love and uh, hellos to John and to Fancy and Dexter and all the other creature critters you have in your home. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Really yeah, it's just nice, nice to have you on. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And we're going to have to get John on here one of these days, too, and, um, you know, see what he uh, has to say about some of his – what his opinion is of who the famous person is in the cabin of the uh, the Grimes house there at Cabinary. Or the, what's <laughs> the name of it? Cabinberry Farms, Cap- right? Yeah, Cabinberry Farm. That's, that's Cabinberry Farms. 
There you go. Yeah, you well, definitely you should, uh, you should. You should grill him about, um, you know, artists and stuff, and you know his his perspective in the music industry. Absolutely. Well, yeah. we'll definitely have to okay. set that up. Um, but thank you again for joining us, uh, Chris, and y'all have a good evening up there in Nashville, where it is 11:36 Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jesse, and thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Chris. All right, folks, that was that was Chris Grimes, and thank you again for joining us. And we'll talk to you later. And uh, able to get that feel of uh, you know having him on, you know, being able to get the feel of the music industry and seeing how everything ran together uh, for him versus you know the the world and and having to experience these life experiences. And I know this is you know, mainly a pop culture podcast, but, you know, it's good to talk about life sometimes and being able to experience yeah. those things and, and to actually be open about it and kind of see what someone goes through, something that we don't go through typically day to day. So it's very refreshing. So, uh, you know, we'll keep that in our thoughts and perspectives and hopefully our, our listeners are a little more objective and being able to understand. And then of course have their own opinion, whether they agree or disagree. Um, you know, it'd be good to hear from that on Facebook, Twitter, or calling in. I know we had a couple guests that called in while we were having our interview. And we apologize for not being able to answer the phone. We were having our guest on, but if you want to call back, you can. It's 646-787-8491. That's our number you can call in. And uh, if we see you on, we'll try and add you on and talk to you there. So some up-and-coming games in 2017. I know Kyle's prepared something. Oh, yeah. Exclusively for that. So, Carl, let you take the lead on this one. Talk about the up-and-coming 2017 games. Yes. So, we're going to dive right in here with, I know this is a favorite of me and Jesse's. Oh, yeah. It's a long uh, going-on series since PS3, Red Dead Redemption. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely a, <laughs> a Western right there that uh, I think for all gamers, uh, you know, is probably the most epic game for, uh, you know, a shootout or first-person, third-person shooter uh, for Rockstar since, you know, GTA, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a big boost for them. And, uh, you know, they always put up good games anyway for the most part. Um, it's just a great game. The add-ons are great. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And another huge one for me. I know this is kind of a Sony exclusive. You know, I'm a Sony, you know, a Sony freak. I'm a Sony boy. Um, the Last of Us Part Two. Oh yeah. And what's neat about it is, uh, you know, it's it's an older Ellie, and which is, you know, she's one of the main characters. You play as Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, if if people out there that's listening haven't checked out um, the Last of Us Part One. I highly recommend to check that out. They redid it for PlayStation 4 and uh, from PlayStation 3. So check it out. It's great. The online play is great. Um, I know it's not even 59 now. What is it? Probably like 39 you would guess? I think 39, yeah. 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 Um, so it's really, really great game. Um, there's no level caps even when you play online. It's, you know, rolling in your face. It's great. Um, so it's it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great story too. Yep. Yeah. And I know something that Jesse mentioned earlier 
and we were kind of all kind of depressed about the drop of scale bounds. Yeah. How does everyone feel about that out there? Call in and let us know. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good topic there because, you know, it was uh, something Microsoft spent a lot of money on. It looked very promising, mm-hmm. had a pretty good feel to the game, something that people have been looking for since really 2015 when we first got wind of it and it falling off the table. Uh, a typical thing of Microsoft in the last couple of years, and I think that has to speak with their their presidency and going on downward from yeah. that point because it would look like it was a title that would put Xbox back on top. So seeing right. them drop it kind of makes you think, what do they have in the works? Are they going to redo this? Or did they find something that someone else is making that they're going to buy and make yeah. it an exclusive, you know? So um, that I'm kind of interested in seeing in the comings of Xbox, Microsoft. But uh, what are some other ones that you we were yeah. talking about? Um, I'll follow right here. Of course, there's a big, huge following. Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, this this game is going to be huge. It's going to be following, you know, Commander Shepard. It's going to be, you know, still having, like, those classic uh, characters. And, you know, it's really neat to see them carry on the characters, mm-hmm. continue the storyline. Right. And what's neat about this is you're still going to be able to pick and choose with your decisions to make the game go certain ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a, a great way to put it because if you look at it, you know, in the previous uh, game of Mass Effect, you, we would all think that they all died um, or that there's someone who is dead uh, in the series. that is such a new character or a character that we all love. And, uh, you know, seeing whether or not their rise or fall um, on the new game, or they have someone else new that they want to introduce to the fans. It'd definitely be interesting to see what happens. Right. Um, yeah, and moving on to uh, another one that's got a lot of hype. Uh, a lot of people have been watching the trailers I've been seeing on YouTube and other uh, forums is For Honor. Yeah, For Honor, Ubisoft, uh, coming out with another online game. Ubisoft much to the likes of, um, you know, uh, with the rainbow, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. rainbow. And then of course a few others too. So that definitely would be interesting to see about that game. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. I like the, uh, the first trailer that I saw, um, mid 2016, it was kind of an early trailer, but it really caught my eye because they changed the landscape and kept the warriors the same. So you know you're going to be traveling around with either the same characters or right. characters that you can actually make. What do you think about that? Are they going to let you make your own character, or is it just going to be like a level up with the characters that you have in the game? So basically, is it going to be like Destiny, right? Or is it going to be like a Mass Effect, H or you know MMO, right? Um, I think it may be ending up like an MMO. I could see that. I think it having a level up tree and being able to um, build your character makes it more impersonal but personable. Um, yeah, it'd definitely be interesting to see what they want to add to the game. And is it going to be such an impactful story to the fact that where, you know, PlayStation and Sony um, and Xbox, Microsoft is really going to want to put 
more emphasis into it and have these bundles come out with such a big game? Or is it going to end up being like a title where it is got a big name, but it drops off because it's not what the gamers want? Right. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and those are the ones that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, and then, of course, when we mentioned uh, in previous podcasts, um, it's going to be Horizon. What do you think on that as we get closer to the launch? We're seeing a lot more things, uh, a lot more posts. I've seen a lot more on the develop. Oh, I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, developers. Yeah. Um, Gorilla, you know, that's the same guys out there that made Killzone series. Mm-hmm. Great series. But this is the question that I've got for you, Jesse, and anyone out there listening. Is this going to be a more open world? Or is it going to be more controlled like Killzone? Is it going to be like, okay, you can only move this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, is kind of open world, but mm-hmm. they're going to keep it kind of, okay, you're on this cliff. Right. You can't go off. Right. Are you going to be more explorative? Right. Is it going to be more Tomb Raider feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it going to be like Far Cry feel? It could be like Far Cry because you have the feel of that open world adventure, but mm-hmm. you still have that boundary. Um, you have the great story, and then you have the level up system and, you know, being able to build your community. I think that's what it's going to be like a lot because you look at these games like Ubisoft makes, all these awesome open world games. You look at Mass mm-hmm. Effect and you look at For Honor and these other little games here and there that pops up. I think it'll definitely be an open world film with boundaries because they want to express how massive the game is, but they don't want to express the expressiveness, I guess you could say, of what happened with some of these other games, like No Man's Sky, you know, and and saying these, you know, incredible things that is not completely accurate. So uh, it's a time and age where you want to be accurate, you want to be credible, and you also want to make sure you're in that fine line where you don't put yourself in jeopardy of losing your fans. I think that's what they'll end up being like. Far Cry, definitely. I like that. I like that opinion because that's that's pretty much what I'm on level with. Of, yeah. Okay, this is going to be more of an open world. Let's right. have that control and then, a little. And then on top of that too, it's kind of like, will they say everything, or will they do like we say in the gaming world, pop the cherry, where it ends up being, um, you find something that's not advertised and it makes the game mm-hmm. that much better, and it comes mouth to mouth. Hey, dude, you gotta get this game. This is awesome. Did you know you could do this? That's something that we all miss about games because everything is so overhyped that these stories right. and these games aren't as uh, awesome as they used to be. Definitely I agree for sure. You know, I think that would be big for them just to let it, you know, simmer. Yeah. And I like this concept because it's new, mm-hmm. it's fresh, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, this is this game is based in the future, very far in the future, like 3033 kind of deal. Um, so machines have taken over. If guys out there, if you haven't, you know, guys or gals, <laughs> I guess you could say it like, haven't seen what this game is actually about you see the human race kind of take a back corner and this whole gigantic dinosaur looking machine animals but their dna is like transformers kind of style right take over uh the earth Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you've now seen this new enemy which is actually the humans are behind trying to take over the world using their technology yeah. So this is really neat to see where this is going to go. Right. And even if it is it going to have a sequel, is it going to have is it going to be big things going on? Right. Is it going to end up being, you know, awesome? Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think it's going to be a definite 
uh, make or break for Sony because they come out with a lot of indie games. And is this a game that's going to be credible and be able to pick up where Uncharted left mm-hmm. off or another PlayStation exclusive that is no more? Um, they always make some pretty incredible uh, Sony exclusive games. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'd be interesting to see how they take off with this. Yeah. Um, so I think that would definitely be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think we can go take it to the next portion um, of our show, and that's what a lot of listeners have come to love and really want us to continue to do. And it's, I guess it's going to be kind of like an OG thing that we do. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, on-the-fly questions. Now, Kyle and I, this is a segment where Kyle and I sit down and we ask each other questions that we have not prepared ourselves for. We did not write <laughs> anything. And maybe maybe Kyle has. You know, I know I haven't. Um, I wanted to try and keep it as fresh as possible in my mind. Yeah, yes, I'm here. And uh, seeing how it goes. But uh, so let's see here. What, uh, boom, I want to load this up. We also, before we go into that, I want to say, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at JKPodcast101 on our Twitter handle. We just updated that site. And then, of course, um, we have a link on there to be able to listen to this. Listen, download, and subscribe on Google and iTunes. And then, of course, on JK Podcast, you can listen to us on blogtalkradio.com backslash JK Podcast backslash podcast. Um, and if you want to make it easier, Facebook, of course, where billions of people are served every day. Yes, we took that from McDonald's. Um, <laughs> you know, you can go onto our podcast there. It's JK Podcast 101 uh, or just JK Podcast in the search bar. Pull it up, click on the link, listen live directly or download, subscribe and listen. So, Going into our on-the-fly questions, um, I know last time we talked about female protagonists, we talked about Star Wars, yeah. and we talked about what movies we would be able to create. So I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. If you had to start like a, almost like a, a basketball team, but if you had to start a team of actors or actresses in today, what would be your first choice that you know would star in your movie? What would be that person that mm. you would pick, that you know you would get? Okay. Yeah, that's uh that's a good question there, man. Uh, you definitely got me on the fly. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh so um action wise, if I was doing a a you know, like all around family action kind of Star Wars kind of movie, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, and still have that hardcoreness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, man, I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig. Oh, nice. 007. Very nice. You know, um, I love Casino Royale. Right. Uh, I like what the direction he did. He's new. He's fresh. He's still hardcore, but he still does it cleanly. Absolutely. Um, I I like that. Um, I would would either him or Vin Diesel because I'm looking forward to Xander Cage. You know, I was I was kind of looking that up a little bit earlier. I'm the return of Xander Cage. Right. Um, I think this would be uh, either one of them. I know that's two different. You know, kind of like night and day almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm a big fan of both those guys. Right. And uh, I think those guys would be good. I think I could get them on. And then uh, actress-wise, I like Lena Healy. And okay. a lot of people don't know who that is, and a lot of people do. Um, she played in a short series of the Terminator series, Get Into mm-hmm. That Platform. Right. Uh, Terminator, after Terminator Salvation, um, they did a special, and she plays Sarah Connor, 
and she's going back to protect her son going in time. So her and her son go back in time trying to stop Skynet. If you haven't checked out that small series, it's amazing. It is great. Um, it, it fills in a lot of gaps uh, in the series of, of, of uh, in the Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> now, there is no Arnold like guest appearance. It's kind of a low budget, but it's an in-between budget. Uh, it is a great series. If you love Terminator, um, this series is great. Um, so check it out. Okay, okay. What's your uh, on-the-fly question for me? All right, so I've, I've come up with something here. Um, if you were to make a video game, okay, what? Uh, I guess you can, what what genre would it be, and where would you assemble it at? Where would your headquarters be? Ooh. Okay, so if I had to make a, a video game, what would it be, and who would make it? For me, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, so I'm torn because I know Rockstar makes some pretty epic games. And um, I like their cast. I like their storyline. I like their development team. But I, I would have to go with Ubisoft because their graphics yeah. and their world interactive, uh, along with the creation of, is just so surreal. They have the best detail. I personally yeah. believe it is the best detail. Whether you like their games or not, they have the best detail. From Watch Dogs, mm-hmm. Watch Dogs 2, to Ubisoft's um, Far Cry and Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. they always have refined and very oriented, detailed experience. Um, so I would say them. They'd make the game. Of course, I'd make sure I'd stay on it. Um, and then the game would probably... I would say be a medieval type game nice to where we could actually uh, have an open world not like skyrim but more to the point to where you can live your life uh like an everyday life and be able to uh build your way up in the ranks to becoming like a king a knight or whatever chapter you want to live of that you know and, and have that whole world that whole livelihood yeah, and then of course you know that that's sort of it's like a think, simulation. Yeah, simulation, right? Yeah, and and being able to live that, and then do whatever you wanted to do. You know what I mean? Of course, consequences and all that stuff included. But that I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, just to be able to have that, building your own house, your own yeah, you know, signia and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's like a mixture of like simulation along with uh, safely saying, kind of like Minecraft or Seven Days to Die, right? Kind of stuff, right? And it's you know, you're building it up. Have right. your friends come in and help you, help right. them. Right. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then like, a, I like the Witcher, the Witcher slash Game of Thrones slash Elder Scrolls type feel. Nice. That's that's interesting. That's that's a good good way to go. Absolutely. Um let's see here if I have one for you off the top of my head on the fly. I think uh let's see. Hmm, should I tell you curveball or softball? Hmm. Okay, ready? All right. Have you worn a spy- the Spider-Gwen outfit we talked about in the last podcast yet? You know, what's funny is you say that, and I was just thinking as we were coming over to your house tonight, me and Shelby, and I was, I've was i got my Spider-Man outfit on today. You know, Shelby took some pictures. We'll have those uploaded. 
and we'll um, make sure that we make sure that those are appropriate. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool because you have your Game of Thrones uh, yep. necklace, which I'm admiring a lot here lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Lauren, uh, Jesse's wife, actually got that for him. It's really nice. And of course, he is a huge fan of Batman. Oh yes. And uh, I made sure on our um, background wallpaper and in our JK Popcast um, uh, graphics that we have the Batman and we have Spider-Man. Right. And if you guys look in there, a lot of those Watchmen fans, uh, it's in the background as well. But going back to the uh, topic uh, before we have to close, I have not worn it yet okay. because the ones that we found online are all slim fit for ladies. So uh, I am going to find one though, and if anybody has a link to any of the ones that could be guys that like Spider Gwen, you know I'm a big fan of Gwen Stacy. Uh, check that out. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, but yeah, or, that's a good question. Or if you can make Kyle, uh, you know, <laughs> his own outfit that is not out there, uh, message us on Facebook. Let us know so that way we can uh, get Kyle in yeah. one of these, and we'll definitely put it up. And uh, show the world yeah. <laughs> what he looks like in a Spider Gwen outfit, whether yep. it's a onesie, a two piece, a one piece, <laughs> or whatever. So uh, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. To, uh, you know, get that ball rolling again. <laughs> okay, and I've, I've I've got one off the fly for you as we start to close here. Okay. Um, in the Star, and I'll keep going back to Star Wars. But if you could be any character, okay. And do a short film and be that character. Mm-hmm. And you really want to, you know, really working on this and perfecting it mm-hmm. to make it completely believable. Mm-hmm. What character would you be and what storyline would you take with it? Uh, I think it'd be Vader. And a lot of my nice. friends know that I love Vader. And it's not just because of who he was before he became Vader and the, um, the love, you know, uh, and the backdrop story and all that stuff. But I think it's um, mainly also, too, because uh, how powerful he was. Yeah. And there was so much that is still not answered. There's so much true. that Ye could do because he was one of the longest serving apprentice Siths um, in the history of, you know, mm-hmm. the dark side of the force or the, the Siths that – there's a lot of questions that's unanswered because remember when he dies in the movie, he's an older man. Luke is a yeah. young man. You know, oh, he's yeah. not, he's not technically a teenager. He's a young man. So, yeah. you know, Anakin Skywalker, AKA Darth Vader is already an older man. So there's at least 20 years of content that you could just build off of, whether it's a TV show or preferably movies. Yeah. So I think that would be something that Disney definitely should, in my opinion, attack on. So yeah, I would definitely run with Vader. And then, um, I'll add the two cents into it and having an actor in there uh, to help the series grow. Um, I would bring in a, let's see. Hmm. I would bring in Ewan McGregor. That would be nice. And the reason why I would do that is because you can, in the movie or movies or TV show or whatever way it is, um, you could add the parallel universe of Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And what he's going through, yeah, and the hardships and the turmoil and his heartbreak of Anakin becoming the person of Darth That's Vader. That's great, you know, yeah. and, and seeing how he's having to live with it day to day and hiding in all the places that he has to go. Mm-hmm. You know, are they because in the movies they're pictured as brothers, 
So Obi-Wan is having to do this while Vader is having to do that. So, you know, like the dark side and, and the light side, then have they ever come really close to, you know, meeting or crossing paths? Because in the movies, Vader is saying, it's a feeling I haven't felt in since he stops. So that question's not answered. Did he meet or had that feeling a few years before, you know, when he was on Tatooine or was he, was it on Jakku, you know, when Obi-Wan could have possibly yeah. been at the Rogue One, um, you know, rebel meetings, you know, right. did he show up? Did he not show up? Was he in hiding on mm-hmm. Jakku? You know, was there always something that was thwarted behind the scenes by Obi-Wan against right. Anakin? You know, so. Or is he talking about the last battle that he had? The last feeling. The last feeling, yeah. The last feeling he had, you know, with his limbs getting cut off Mm -hmm. and being burnt. You know, that's an interesting topic Mm -hmm. there, too. So, yeah, I think that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And uh, how much time we got left here, Jesse? Uh, We're boiling it down to the last last couple minutes. Okay. So I'm going to burn a couple just a couple minutes or seconds. I'm going to burn okay. through this really quick because I know we're running out of some time. Okay. Okay. Uh, games of top 2016. Top games. All right. So, best PC game, of course, WoW, a.k.a., you know, uh, World of Warcraft Legion was the best. All right. Game of the year overall is Overwatch. Okay. Um, greatly deserved, in my opinion. Um, our all-around gameplay uh, bringing in new um, uh, characters, throughout, making it still interesting. Um, it gives a feeling of Team Fortress. Right. It's just a great thing. Uh, best Sony game was Uncharted 4, Thieves End. Best sports uh, was NBA 2K17. Uh, let's see. Best virtual reality uh, game is Kronos, for all those VR guys out there. Best Nintendo game. Like you mentioned earlier, Fire Emblem, right? Uh, Fire Emblem Fates, mm-hmm. best puzzle game, The Witness. Okay. All right. Uh, best adventure game is Firewatch. Oh. I was really wanting to yeah. check that out. It's a great game. Uh, Twenty dollars yeah. on the PlayStation Store. Um, first person all the way through. But uh, if you want to get the platinum, make sure you have the tutorial turned on. Don't turn it off because you won't get it if you don't. Hey, there's a good tip from Jesse the Man. There you go. And interesting enough, best fighting game actually is Street Fighter V. Oh, that's that's somebody paid for that. Yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat X, I think, or XL. I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, best simulation game is uh, Stardew Valley. Um, interesting game there. And this was cool. Best mobile slash handheld game, Clash Royale. Oh, okay. The the title off of uh, Clash of Titan. Yep, Clash of Titan. Yeah. Uh, best role-playing game is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Great selection. Epic game. Yeah. So those are some out there that, uh, that I had to put out there. Uh, that's that's what we got going on for 2016. Absolutely. Great list, Kyle. I, I, that was really well put together. I liked it. I'm still confused why Overwatch is game of the year. But, <laughs> I mean, in, in 2016, what games are really willing to take that role? You know what I mean? And uh, – so we'll definitely see. I felt like 2K17 probably could have done that justice, just as good as Overwatch. But then again, yeah. you know, to each his own, and that's what we're here for, our opinions. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, and also thank you, our guest host, Nita, 
for joining us. And then, of course, Chris Grimes for coming on the show and giving us yeah. his perception of life. And then, of course, pop, uh, pop culture Phil and celebrities and what he does on a day-to-day. Um, and then, of course, if you ever do want to join us, uh, you can. Or if you want to listen to us, you can go on iTunes, JK right. Podcast, uh, download, subscribe, listen. And uh, get your favorite episodes on your phones, tablets, and on your car so you can enjoy your drive to and from work. Or even if you're getting home, it would be something to listen to, to wind down the day, or to get hyped up. We're here for you guys. And then at JK Podcast on Facebook or our Twitter handle at JK Podcast 101. So, again, this is Jesse. And, and this is Kyle. And we're always what, Kyle? Just kidding. Thank you, guys. And hopefully you, re- you enjoyed Episode 5. Turn of the max. That's right.